Well, good morning, church. There it is. Man, what a good day it is. Youth, you guys are dismissed junior high, 6th through 8th grade. The rest of your service today is Pop-Tart Sunday, by the way. I don't know if anybody was aware of that. For the youth, not for you guys. Sorry, we don't have Pop-Tarts for you. Um, now you're all hungry, and I've ruined it. Man, no. Uh, man, we're, we're so excited uh, to have you with us today. We're starting a brand new series, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Uh, sorry, saying that five times fast. Uh, but uh, tomorrow, we are also starting 21 Days of Prayer. Uh, we just felt like in this season, in this time, in this place in our country and life and everything that's going on, that now more than ever, we needed a 21 Days of Prayer. And so we decided uh, that we're going to launch 21 Days of Prayer to be online on Facebook at 7 a.m. Uh, we're going to have uh, our staff and our pastoral staff here from the campus live every morning at 7 a.m. just praying together. Uh, you can watch that live with us or we'll have it on there. You can watch all throughout the day and join us. But we just want to come together as a church, as a family, as God's children, and just pray together over the next 21 days and seek him uh, as we go into this next season of life and whatever that looks like. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I, I don't know if anybody's had a situation in life lately where you just feel like you don't know what to do. Anybody been there um, in the last four months? <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought so. I had an assumption. Uh, you know, but when I think about this moment, uh, you know, not really knowing what to do, uh, you know, what, when you don't know what to do, again, it's very confusing. Tongue twister there. I'm going to say it wrong ten times today. Um, but what I really think about is, is what are the first steps that we have to take when we don't know what to do? What, where, when we find ourselves in that place, and ultimately what I actually think about is that moment, and you see it in like TV shows and movies, where um, after a, a dad has a new child, he goes to the window to show like his parents and her parents of the baby, and they go to the window, and you've seen it in the movies, they go to the window, and the, the dad points out, and he's like, there it is, there, there's my, my child, only to like look joyously, and, and everybody's kind of all like really happy, and then he looks at the baby like in the carrier next to it, and he's like, there it, there it is, that is... Anybody ever had that actually happen to them, or is that just the don't you don't have to raise your hand? Okay, we're just we're gonna believe that you didn't, right? But um, I, I've seen that in the movies, and I think about that, and when I think about children, when I think about the word son that's used in the Bible, uh, there's two words in the New Testament that uh, just about every time the word son is used in the Bible, it's used in one of these two phrases, these two words in the Greek. Uh, technon and huios. Now the word uh, technon, the best definition is one who is a son or a child by mere birth, right? And that's exactly what happens, right? You cannot identify them according to their personality, right? When, when uh, mothers and fathers and family members come to the hospital, it's hard to identify them behind the glass, behind there, because they don't uh, pick up the, the traits yet. They don't do anything that really sets them apart from the other babies, the other children. And so if it weren't for those name tags and the on the carriers, like sometimes you'd kind of get confused because let's be honest, they're like, you know, a few hours old, you probably haven't had a lot of sleep, and, you know, we can make tons of excuses, but we know that they are your children, your son, your daughter, just by mere birth. And your child, my child, would be considered 
a child a, a technon just by the fact of its birth, right? Now, we find technon actually used in Romans 8, verses 14 through 16, and this is what it says. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, technon of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. Otherwise, you would live in fear again. Instead, the Holy Spirit you received made you God's adopted child. It's just by mere birth, right? That's what it is. It's your adopted child. Now it's this, this birthright that you have as a child of God. And it says, by the Spirit's power, we call God Abba. Abba means Father. The Spirit himself joins with our spirit. Together, they tell us that we are God's children. Right, We are God's child. We are the technon of God just by mere birthright because now when we join ourselves with the Spirit, when we call out to the God, when we have Jesus inside of us, we are his by mere birthright. We are adopted into his family. When a person receives Jesus, he is a child of God just by the mere experience of the rebirth of the life. And it always seems, I don't know about you guys, but it always seems like after a few weeks of, of that child, a few days, all of a sudden they begin to, to take these, these looks and these, these behaviors that you're like, oh my goodness, like they are my children. Right after just a few weeks, a couple weeks, and as they get older and older, what happens is, is they begin to look more like you. Uh, they begin to act more like you. Um, you know, the appearance and the behavior changes. Uh, I want you guys to look at this side by side. This is me and my son, both at two years old. Um, I'm on the right side. No, left side, my right, your left, yeah. Uh, and that's my son, both at two years old. There's a slight um, similarity we share, right? And, um, but he's my son, not by just mere birth right now, but by appearance. And there is a reason, um, that there's this other Greek word used to translate in the new Testament. It's called huios, right? And this word is, is used to describe one who can be identified as a son because he displays the characteristics or the character of his parents. It's no longer just about birthright. It's about the characteristics. And, and as our children grow, they start to look like one or the other parents. They begin to, to act like the parents. There's a reason that we can leave our children with our parents for a week of vacation. We get back to be greeted by the words, well, your son acts just like you did when he was that age. Right? He acts the same way when it's time to go to bed. He does the same thing you used to do. As our children grow, they now can be recognized as our sons and our daughters because they take on our personality, not, not merely by the words that uh, your son acts the way you did, but this, the, 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 the personality that they take on is a resemblance of who you are, a resemblance of how you behave. But in the same way that they can be recognized as our children. We, too, can be recognized as God's children. We take on a, a, the, the personality and the characteristics that resemble our father and his life. 
Now, there's a difference between this, this technon, meaning the, 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 the immature, the babies, the children style, and the Greek word huios, which is the mature children. Right? There's this large difference in there. And what happens is I believe that we find ourselves in a place. In crisis, we find ourselves in a place uh, uh, where we're at kind of in this title where we don't know what to do when we don't know what to do. We find ourselves stuck in this place where we say, I, I, I'm not sure what to do on how to get out of what I don't know what to do. And in, when I see that, I think there's a root problem. And the root problem is, is that we don't know what to do. That was deep, wasn't it? I know. I went real deep on that one. We don't know how to move forward. The crisis that we find ourselves in, the, the situation maybe even that we put ourselves in, the, the place in life that we are in, whether it be unhappy with our, the, the age that we're in, unhappy with uh, the, the place that we're in, unhappy with the job, whatever it is, unhappy with the life choices. Wherever we find ourselves uh, in all of that, we get to a place where we say, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to get out of this. And, and I think about this. Did anybody wake up um, thinking about this season? Anybody wake up and go, you know what? I think this morning I'm just going to really put myself in a downward spiral. I'm really going to, you know what, today... Today, I think I'm going to put myself in a place that I'm just going to be really unhappy with. Today's a good day. Nobody ever does that. It's not this instantaneous decision where we're like, you know what? Today is the day that everything goes wrong. Here we go. Buckle up, everybody. Right? What, no, what, what happens is we drift slowly. Unassumingly, we get further and further. We get deeper and deeper into this place that we find ourselves where we're now stuck. We slowly drift and, and we get ourselves to a place stuck where we say, I, I don't know what to do to get out of this. I don't know how to get out of this drift that I've been in. But I think the more important question is what causes us to drift? What is it in our lives that causes us to drift away from where we know we're supposed to go? You know, I think one of the big things that causes us to drift is pride. Pride in that place where we say, you know what, I, I think I got this. I am in control. Right? Uh, we get to a place where we say, you know what, I, I thought I had control over things. I think if anything, these last two months has showed us how little control we're actually in. How little control we actually have in our own lives. We believe that we have control until we realize that we just don't have control. We have no more control anymore. You know, I remember driving my car early on. Uh, I was about 16, just got my license about a month and a half before this. And I remember, this is kind of a confession in a way, Dad, sorry. Um, <laughs> I was driving home, and it, it was rainy, a little bit rainy one night or one afternoon. And, and I may or may not have been going a little too fast. Uh, especially as I came around this corner, and I was coming around this corner, turning onto this road, the last turn I made before we turned into our subdivision, and, um, and I thought I was in control of my car. I thought I had complete control as I came around this corner, but I quickly realized in a split second that I was no longer in control, that the road and the rain had taken complete control of my car. 
And then I spun around in the car. I spun all the way around, did a full spin, ended up back in my lane facing forward. I then proceeded to drive home at about 10 miles an hour where I changed my underwear. Um, <clears throat> so many times in life we think we are in control until we realize we're not. We allow pride to push us a little further away. Oh, it's okay. I'm in control. It's okay. I, I've got this. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. Until we get to a place where we go, I don't know where I'm at. What am I doing here? I don't know what to do anymore. I thought I was in control. We allow pride to do that. But I think the other thing that allows us to drift and maybe even causes us to drift is fear. We think about this fear. We're living in a society of fear right now. Shelter in place. Don't leave your house. Lock everything down. The end of the world is coming. Fear has caused us to drift. I think about this. The reality is right now, as it sits, we are running about 50% of the people that were here pre-COVID. We have many that join us online and many still engaged. And, and, and those people that don't feel comfortable coming back, I completely agree with and understand where they're at. But we are at a new place in life where fear has caused so many in this world and so many in this country to drift away, not from church, but from God. To drift away from where we're supposed to be. Because I'm going to tell you, I think church is important. I think Sundays are so important to be in relationship. And, and I'm going to talk about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But more importantly, what I think you've drifted from is relationship. We've allowed fear, this fear that we've lived in. Anybody lived in fear lately? You know, I think about this moment that my children have many nights where they experience fear. It's nighttime, and, and each night that they experience this fear, they do the same thing. You know what they do? They call out, Dad. They say, yes. I'm afraid of the dark. And each time that they call me and they tell me that they're afraid of the dark, I, I do the same thing. I go to them. And I go to them, and my answer is always the same. There's nothing to be afraid of. That fear does not come from God, and if you pray... God will take that fear away. And so we have a prayer that we pray. And now they pray this prayer on their own. That we say, dear God, take the fear away. In Jesus' name, amen. And then by his power, we swoosh it away. That's the key to them. But I'm going to tell you time and time again, we pray that prayer. And for them, the fear is gone. Because the fear is a lie. The fear is a, a tool that the enemy uses to keep us from where we're supposed to be. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, don't take this the wrong way because there is a difference between fear and wisdom. Don't, say, don't think I'm saying something that I'm not. You make the decision for your family, especially with all of this virus and sickness going around. You make the decision for your family you feel is best wise. But there are things in our lives that fear pulls us from relationship with God, I'm going to tell you there is no virus or sickness that should push us away from relationship with God. 
but we've allowed fear and lockdown and this, this place that we're in in life to pull us, to drift us away from the relationship with God that we need to be in. There are things in our lives, this pride and this fear that will cause us to drift away from where we are supposed to be, to drift away from the closeness of God. And I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the doldrum drift. This is an older term, an older name for a place that sailors back in the early times when sailboats were just sailboats and there were no motors. That There was a, a place um, just below the equator called the doldrums. And sailors gave this name to the specific region along the equator where the weather always seemed to illustrate a lifeless condition. Now what it is is um, this region where the trade winds actually converge with each other. And what happens is as they converge and cross, they actually cancel each other out. And what is created is a, a, a still, a windless, a dead zone in the middle of the ocean. Now the doldrums were actually once feared more than the Bermuda Triangle even was. Because so many ships became trapped in the dead zone, forced to endure weeks upon weeks with no wind, no waves, no movement, no way out. Only to find themselves in this erratic and irrational wave of a storm that would show up out of nowhere until they either wrecked. Many became stuck permanently and all the sailors would just die sitting on a boat, just sitting there with nowhere to go because there was no wind, there was no way out. But no sailor ever wanted to sail into the doldrums. What happens is they would drift just slightly off course. As they're following the trade winds, they would drift, they would drift. They would drift just a little further and a little further, forgetting to check their compass every time, forgetting to check their waypoints, forgetting to check their position, and they would drift, and eventually they would find themselves in an instant in a dead zone, in the doldrums, stuck. Now, I think most of us can relate to being in the doldrums, being in this place where you may know what you're supposed to do in life, you may even know where you want to go, but sometimes we allow ourselves to drift just a bit too far for a bit too long, and we find ourselves stuck. We find ourselves stuck in this zone where there is no breath, where there is no wind, there is no life. There is nothing to help motivate you and move you along. Maybe you're going through a storm in your life, and all you can do is just stay afloat. Maybe you're in a rut, you feel down, and you don't know how to move forward. Maybe you're finding yourself in the doldrums. And like the two words used for son, we slowly allow ourselves to go back to just being a child of birth and not a child known by our characteristics not known by the characteristics of God through us, through our behavior. We have drifted. But I want to tell you, I will not allow you to drift into mediocrity. I will not allow you to drift 
beyond what God is calling you to do. I will do everything I can as your pastor, as your leader, as a family member, as somebody who cares about you and loves you to bring some course correction and say, check the compass. Check your positioning. Check your place. Make sure you're not drifting. Make sure you're not getting too close to the doldrums. I don't want you to get stuck out there. What do we do when we don't know what to do? When we find ourselves stuck? Because I think some of us are maybe at that place. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12, it says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And this is what they cry out. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. I don't know the way out. I feel stuck. I feel alone. I feel lifeless. I feel like I'm in a place with no breath and no wind and no life. I don't know what to do, but God, my eyes are on you. I'll call out to you. I'll live out the truth that when I don't know what to do, I'll turn to him first. I'll check my positioning. I'll look to the guide. Just like when my children call out to me in fear of the dark. I do the same thing. I, I take a self-assessment. I see where I have drifted. I see where I am and I, and I get close to the Father. I call out to Him. I cry out to Him, God. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I am. I don't know how I've drifted, but God... My eyes are on you. I will follow you. I will draw near to you. And I cry out and I draw near to God until I sense that fresh breath of air. That revitalization of, of spirit of God that I've allowed myself to drift from. I cry out. And I call out to him. and I engage with God. I fix my eyes on him. You know, I think that's the importance. I said earlier that, you know, church isn't the end all. Sunday service isn't the end all. It's no uh, substitute for relationship. But I think there is something powerful about coming together and about worshiping. Just taking a moment to, to allow all the distractions of life to go away and just focus on him to re-engage. There's something about being in a building. Something that, quite honestly, I feel like God allowed us to see by saying, you can't be in the building. For us to get to that place where we go, man, I miss that. I just miss seeing people. It's not that I can't be in relationship with God during the week, because I think that's the most important thing. But sometimes there's something about being with God's people and engaging with them and with him. I think there's important things for us to think about when we engage with God, not just in service, but we engage with God and in 21 days of prayer where we come together as a church. And we say, God, I want to engage in relationship with you. I want to engage together. There's an importance where we engage together in small groups. Small groups are so important. Today happens to be the first day you can sign up for those. And you don't want an in-person group? That's great. we got plenty of online groups. Because it's about relationship. 
It's about being in a place where we say, God, I, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what to do, but God, I will fix my eyes on you. I will do everything I can to be in relationship with you in this moment, and I will trust you with the rest. I will trust you to get me out. Perhaps that's where you're at, at a place in your life where maybe you haven't sensed fresh breath in your life for a long time. Maybe you've gotten out of touch with God in a way that where he's active and, and moving in your world. Maybe you have a, a difficulty even pinpointing the place that you're at or, or even determining the route back to open air, back to life with him. But my hope today is that you will lean into God, that you will allow him to show you where you have drifted and bring fresh air into your life. That's my prayer. That he will get you out of the doldrums. Out of the doldrums that you've found your life stuck in. Out of the place that you've allowed yourself to move to. To be in in this season. That this season has maybe even not that you've allowed it. But it just feels like you've been pushed and edged and squeezed over to. Because of everything that's going on. Cry out to God. Cry out that he will come alongside you. That he will begin to revitalize you with this healing wind. Be encouraged that as painful as the doldrums are and as painful as this season is that we are in. That God will use this stuck place that you are in to do a great work in you. And I want you to hear this because I think this is important. Be assured that when something is happening to you. That God wants to do something in you. I think that's important for us to hear in the place that we're in in our lives, in the season that we're in. When something is happening to us, God wants to do something in us. He wants to draw us closer to him. He wants us to grow. He has areas that we need to work on in our lives, some areas that we may have allowed to drift, to push away, to find ourselves stuck in these doldrums. Stuck in a place in our lives when we go, God, I, I don't know where I am. God, I, I think I'm at a place where I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because I don't know what to do. But when we don't know what to do, we do the first thing first, and that's we look to God. We get close to Him. We draw near to Him. We allow him to correct us or bring some course correction, some things in our lives that maybe we've allowed to, to drift, some practices and, and some things that we were in relationship with him in, we've allowed to quarantine from. You know, I used to be really good about this, or I used to be really good about that. I used to be really good about being in relationship with God. But when I quarantined myself in my home, I quarantined myself from God in a way. Maybe that's where you're at. You're finding yourself stuck in some doldrums today. Well, my prayer for you is that you'll fix your eyes on God. That you'll draw near to Him. Say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes, my eyes are on you, Lord. 
And I'm going to trust that you will work through me in the way that you need to. That whatever season I'm in will be something that you use for my life to help me to draw closer to you. That's my prayer for you. Whatever season you're in, wherever you're at, that God will bring you out. He will bring you out of the stillness and the stuckness that you find yourself in. Into a relationship with Him. But maybe you're at a place in the doldrums. Maybe you're at a place in life where you just feel stuck. And you say, you know, I, maybe I've been in relationship with God, but I've just felt like I've walked so far away. I've allowed myself to drift so far away. But I don't even know if I'm in relationship with Him at all in any place in my life. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you say, you know, I've never been in relationship with God. I've never actually taken that step to be in relationship with Him. And if that's you today, if you're in one of those two places in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. An opportunity to, to reset, to restart, to refresh. To open up a new channel of revitalization, a new channel of breath of life into your life. That God will bring you out of this season that you're in. And if that's you and you want to pray this prayer and begin a relationship with Jesus in just a moment, I'm going to pray this prayer. And all you have to do is believe it in your heart. Jesus will come inside and begin to change you from the inside out. That's the biggest first step you can make to getting out of these doldrums, to getting out of this season of, of life that you find yourself in, this season of brokenness, this season of dryness, this season of stillness. You just feel like you're stuck and you can't get out. If that's you today, this is your moment. You're not here by mistake. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. God knows right where you're at. He knows right where you are at in your life and what you're going through and what is happening in your life. He knows everything that you're feeling and every emotion that you're going through. And all he's saying is, I want to help you out. But you got to put your eyes on me. I want to help you out of this. My hand is here, but the only way that you see my hand is if you're looking at my eyes, if you're looking up to me. The only way that you see that I'm helping you is if you're watching me. know what to do but my eyes are on you God if that's you when you want to pray this prayer in just a moment I'm going to give you that opportunity but before we do that I want to pray for everybody that whatever season you're in that this moment is a new moment for you this moment is a fresh wind a fresh breath of air a fresh pneuma that's the, that's the word that they use in the Bible the pneuma the breath of God this is a freshness. Now, this word pneuma is so incredible. Because this pneuma, this is the same, the same breath. This is the word of the very breath of God that's blown into your life. The same pneuma that was given to Adam. The breath that was breathed into him, the pneuma. It's the same breath that we can experience because of what Jesus did for us. This is the same pneuma, the same breath. When in the Bible, when Jesus dies on the cross and it says that he breathed his last breath and the spirit left him, it was the pneuma, the spirit was the pneuma, the breath of God left him. But it left him so that it could enter us. That's what I'm praying for you.
whatever doldrum, whatever place you're in in your life, that this fresh breath of air can just fill your lungs, fill your life, fill your season, that you feel this new blow of wind in your sails, that you feel this new revitalization in your life. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being in this season. I'm tired of feeling stuck. I'm tired of feeling locked down. I'm tired of feeling out of control. I'm tired of allowing other people and other things to be in control. I want to give my control back to God. That's all I want. I just want Him to be in control. And I, I want to pray that over you today. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father God. Lord, I pray for that pneuma. I pray for that fresh breath into our lives. That fresh air to revitalize us where we're at, Father. Lord, whatever place we're in in our life, whatever place we're in where we feel stuck, we feel hopeless, we feel abandoned, we feel lifeless. Lord, this still that we find ourselves in, Father God, Lord, I pray right now that we just feel this breath of air, this breath of freshness just pouring into our lives. Just pushing into us. Lord, just guiding us back. Pushing us back into relationship with you. Back on course. Father, I pray that over the next 21 days as we commit to praying and seeking you, Father. Lord, that every moment that we allow ourselves to drift, we say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Lord, I will look to you. I will follow you. Lord, any areas that we've allowed ourselves to drift, that you would just begin to correct us and bring us back. Lord, that your love would draw us closer to you in everything that we do, Father. Lord, that we would look to you. Now, if you're here today and you say, you know, I want to be in relationship with God. I want to start that relationship or I want to refresh in my relationship with God. If that's where you're at today, in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to just, what I want you to do is I want you to believe this prayer in your heart believe that God will come down and he will give you a fresh life, a fresh breath of air, a fresh newness into your life. And if that's you today, just believe this prayer in your heart, whether this is the first time or if this is a restart for you. We're going to pray this together with you as a church because you're not alone. Let's pray together with him. Say, dear Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I have drifted, but I receive your salvation. I'm ready to trust you. I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins. Thank you for taking my sins and giving me eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we celebrate, church, like the heavens are celebrating today? Amen, amen.